Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now, here's your host, Richard Bliss. You're listening to episode 110. My guest today is someone who was just on the show when he launched his campaign doing something rather unique. His campaign ends in just a few hours, and I had him back because I wanted to go through and catch, catch him kind of on this emotional, at the end of this emotional roller coaster. And so my, I've welcomed back my guest, Gary Ray. Gary, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. To bring everybody up to speed who hasn't heard, your project was a little bit unique. It still fell technically kind of in the game area, but you actually wanted to do construction on your business and sought a Kickstarter uh, funding to actually do construction, right? Right. That's correct. And what, what was the plan, the money, the plan, what, what was kind of, I know we already talked about it, but just to kind of remind everybody, how much were you trying to raise and how much time were you giving yourself to do that? We, so a lot of people have questions like, how can you possibly do it for the $25,000 you're trying to get? But we have a, a bank loan for, for about $50,000. So this was to get it, this was to get the project past the feasibility, right? So it, the project's worth to us about 50000 <laughs> but you can't build it for that. So the twenty five grand for our Kickstarter was to get it into the zone of, of profitability, of which where it made sense for us to do the project. So raise twenty five thousand. How much time did you give you to do? Did you give yourself to do twenty five thousand? Thirty days. Okay. Which you know, I, it was all researched, and you know, thirty days seemed to be the the the, the point, the special point where anything beyond that, and you had this kind of dead lull in the middle and all that. So yeah, thirty days was the was the frame, and and we were fairly confident going in that you know, first of all, I'll tell you, I uh, Kickstarter Kickstarter is not really my thing so much, so. Uh, my manager designed it and I pretty much thought, uh, pretty much thought he must have understood exactly how this was going to go down. I thought it was going to be a slam dunk going in. <laughs> I got to believe that for a long time there, you were just wondering, is this thing really even going to work? Oh yeah. For, I would say up until the last few days, even, 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 you know, on Saturday, even a couple of days ago, I was kind of sending out emails going, um, we made it, but we're in this kind of uh, danger zone where we're <laughs> where it could easily slip back because it started happening as soon as we hit as soon as we hit our goal. I don't know if this happens with other projects, but as soon as we hit our like twenty five thousand dollar goal, people started backing off. <laughs> and when we say backing off, there's two types of backing off. There's taking their big pledge and reducing it down to a smaller pledge, right? Or just canceling entirely. And both of those were happening, right? And that's something a lot of backers forget that. It, with Kickstarter, those backers up into the last minute can back back out of that. And so, yeah, that starts to make you want, worry because you're starting to realize that, oh, oh, it's made, just because you made it doesn't necessarily mean you made it. Yeah, and you start questioning the whole value of the thing, right? You figure, well, these people must be altruistic individuals, and the only reason why they were there in the first place was to push us over the over the line. And once we're over the line, if, if they don't feel they're needed anymore, they leave. <laughs> So that's kind of a dangerous place to be. It really is, and particularly because in your case, uh, you had a, there were a couple of pledge, a couple of higher pledge levels that you could do, and, and yeah, it's and and it's kind of yeah. It, we have thousand dollar pledge levels that are almost full. Like we probably have seven, eight thousand dollars of thousand dollar pledge levels, where you know if. 
two of those people leave and you're, you're, you're not very far over the border, you're done. You've, you've, you've announced you're successful, but you're going to fail anyway. Right. And that is something that uh, people need to, to realize is that those people can always back out. But you have – right now, we're down to a couple hours. I'm looking at the project. You, uh, you're at 111 uh, percent. Interesting. I went and looked at your kick track. I, I think you remember maybe we talked about that day 8, 9, or 10 has a 70 percent chance of predicting where you'll end up in your funding on kick track. Right. I, kick track, I don't – they'll tell you right up front that don't believe kick track. But yeah, I, but the, although they say that, you know I was watching it really carefully. <laughs> right. And so if you go out to day 8, 9, or 10, and it's that little, there's a little window. So right after it's a week, so about just before you're a week and a half, if you look at the trending number on that day, there's a 70% chance it'll be accurate. And so on yours, let's see, day 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. On day 8 – this said that you were going to fund at right about $24,500. Right. And you're sitting at 27000 28000 So that's pretty, that's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, as it went further on, it started to fall. It did because you're, you're, the lowest point was at about day 11. Then it was saying you were going to hit 20000 That your, your momentum – you don't have a moment, enough momentum to keep this thing going. That was the whole problem with the project is it had no momentum where we would spend – we'd spend a lot of money on Facebook because that was our main social media. We spent a lot of money on Facebook and we'd, we'd get people – we'd get other people to, to you know, wave the flag and their, and their responses would go nowhere. They'd get, they'd get no likes. They'd get no responses. And this was pretty common throughout a lot of the, the project. So, so you might not know the answers to this, but I have a couple of questions. First of all, on – May 29th of your campaign, right in the middle, you have the second highest day up until that point, almost the highest, but the second highest day, $2,000 is pledged on May 29th. Right. And it says you only got three backers because on the next day you got $600 with 10 backers. So what happened on May 29th? Do you know? Well, a lot of things. Well, Okay. So there was a point in this thing where I met, this is an interesting story, I think. I met with my my best friend and my kind of core investor in this. And I'm like, I'm going to start a different business now. <laughs> I saw some of those Facebook posts that uh, I was on the periphery of that conversation. Yeah. So this isn't working and this is kind of the future of this business. And this, and clearly since it's not working, the business has a limited future. So here, here is my business plan for my next business. What do you think? <laughs> and they said, he said, stop that. <laughs> First of all, he said, look, you're doing, you know, your business does, you know, almost a million dollars a year. This is a $25,000 Kickstarter, relax. Uh, and then he said, here's what I'm going to do. Right. And so this is, this is something I, this isn't something I announced, but he said, I'll, I will loan you the money for this thing. If this Kickstarter fails, I will loan you the money. But between now and then you need to start making phone calls. You need to call a hundred people a day. You need to call everyone you know in the game trade. You need to call in all your favors, and you need to fundraise. You need to actively fundraise. And you know now that if it doesn't work, that you've got a backup plan, but you have to do this. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't want to yeah, – okay, I'll do it. <laughs> okay, and so you got on the phone. I got on the phone, and I started calling and bending, you know, twisting arms and talking to 
talking to various people and friends and distributors who, by the way, are not receptive and publishers. <laughs> oh, you mean they're not friends, right? You said friends and distributors. <laughs> and oh, by the way, those distributors aren't friends. That's, uh, that's a discussion we're ongoing right now about whether they should be chipping in. And that's right. May, so May 29th, you picked up $2,000. About when did you start that campaign, that phone campaign? You know, um, probably a, probably around that time. That okay. was probably where I started really twisting arms. Well, you got a little bump, and then it hit back down on the skid row, down to zero. One day you get zero backers, zero money, thirty six dollars the next day, and yeah. then something happened. Uh, right around the ninth or tenth of June, you're now right. how what three weeks into this campaign, and suddenly, suddenly. Money starts to come in. There's a $1,500 day. You got a $5,000 day on that day, on the 10th of June, with 14 backers. Uh, one of your suddenly it's some of your best days for a number of backers. What was going on? Uh, the game trade started picking this up, and like the game stores and the retailers. Uh, and I was getting, you know, people who like the game store rescue concept, right? Where I'd have. I do, you know, independent consulting for you. I do a day of remote consulting or a day or go visit your store. Those things started picking up. So you can see in our, our current or our current Kickstarter is at is we've got probably thirty five hundred dollars of just that. Yeah, of, those are game store owners kicked in. And how did they? How, so why didn't they kick in sooner? Um, I don't think I pressed it very hard. <laughs> I think I got to the point. So I started this thinking it would do itself. And then there was a long lull where I was kind of like in despair. <laughs> right. And then someone had to kick me in the butt to, to start being more aggressive about it. And then once I was aggressive about it, other people saw that I was serious and they they were, you know, they went went to bat for me. Like Pat Fugge, uh in Wisconsin uh, has been, you know, pushing people to, to you know, because there's implications if this works, right? Yep. Uh, so if you see, yep. if you can see the implications, it's important to you as a, as a store owner, because it means that you, others can do this and this is huge. Um, now there's, you, I'll let you continue, but there's big caveats on that. But yeah, that's the implications. What would the caveats be? Um, there was a good article today written by Scott Thorne on ICV2, where he talks about branding yep. and he, and he, and he compares our branding for my store to to Will Wheaton, you know, obviously Will Wheaton's huge and three million dollars for his. I think it's three million for tabletop. Yeah, I, three. I, I read that article. He didn't compare you as being similar. No, not similar. <laughs> right? He compared you, and I know you were going to say that. Yeah, as at the opposite extremes. Opposite extremes, but still branding branding at a, kind of like a small regional level and branding. Yes, that. within your market, you're well known within my market. So. This was an example of like, could other stores do this? Not probably not, unless they had that kind of high, you know, high degree of branding. Uh, but you know, that there's potential, and I think they picked up on that. So you're so. I got a question then, because one of the things that you were talking about was you wanted to avoid that lull in the middle. Sure. Well, guess what? You, <laughs> yeah, no matter what, it looks like you got stuck at that lull in the middle as well. Just like oh. every, just like everybody else. Yeah, they should call that the trough of despair. <laughs> there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of terms about that. So you're looking at this, and wouldn't it seem logical that the next thing, if you were to do this again or have done it over, is like, oh, I'll just shorten this thing up. I'll go 21 days, and that'll cut out a week of that trough of despair. Uh, 
I don't know the answer to that. I think you'd have to look at all the other projects and come up with some sort of a rationale. But uh, first of all, I wouldn't want to do another one. <laughs> what? You've just successfully funded $25,000? you are going to grow your store? What are you talking about? That was horrible. It was a horrible experience. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I know why. When we talk about horrible, you're not talking about the interaction with the customers. Nothing. You're talking about that you had to personally get out of your comfort zone. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, the digital panhandling was 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 horrible. I mean, it's it's just I'm, uh, it was so we talked a lot about that internally. Like retail is great because you know you have a customer, you know them, you have a value you're you're providing them. But but this is more like VC funding where you're you know out trying to sell a vision, but you really don't have a whole lot to offer, and and you're just you're begging for money essentially. Uh, so yeah, that's. That's difficult. That's a different thing, and and I don't I don't like it. <laughs> no, because when you're in a game store, you do very little selling. Yeah, some more than some people more than others. I I I do sell, but I mean, like my staff, I tell them during Christmas, I'm you guys don't really know how to sell, right? <laughs> it's like you you've got you've got a pile of this game over here, and you don't know how to how to match that up with the customer. You're, you're really good at telling people things you like and matching them with a good game. But if you actually have to sell them something, you don't really know how to do that. You haven't been trained to do that. <laughs> and now you had to sell something, flat out sell it. Flat out sell it, call people I know and respect and tell them you need to buy my Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> yeah. Well, even uh, honestly, even Girl Scout cookies are, no, you need to buy my wife's painting and you need to tell her it's really pretty and you need to pay more than you think that you should pay for it. It's exactly right. And it's, and it's difficult. And those, and I had to have those conversations and, and with people that I've known and respect for, for what's essentially, for what's essentially not a lot of money. <laughs> right. You're using a political capital for not a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, if a store that does a million dollars a year in business has to raise $25,000, what you're really doing is you're Essentially, burning a, a very important relationship for like a hundred bucks. <laughs> yes, except, and and here's what we'll come back around. Except there is the possibility here that now that person that you reached out to, that, that your relationship has changed, and not necessarily for the worse because of that. That first of all, you do owe them a favor now, right? Right. Which isn't a bad thing. No. They now are even a more emotionally invested in your success. Right, because yeah, they gave the hundred dollars, but there's a good possibility that they did it, and now it wasn't begrudgingly, and now they're enjoying their the success of having helped you achieve something. Sure, sure, Friends sure. I mean, and then there's also there's also holding it against them if they don't, which I'm trying not to do. Right, <laughs> but you do bring up a valid point. I have seen more Kickstarter campaigns fail because of the very thing that your friend. The very thing that your friend pointed out in you, and that is that, and that you've just articulated that inability or that unwillingness to cross that line of actually selling something that you don't, right? Why do right. I, why do I need the money? I'm a million dollar store. Why am I asking somebody for a hundred dollar handout? And that is probably the biggest obstacle that most people overcome when they're doing a Kickstarter campaign is asking for the money. Yeah. And, and that friend of mine, he, he, he he offered that he offered that that backstop in a very clever way, right? He's yeah. like, I, I want I'm gonna I'm gonna so so the risk is gone for you, but you now need to put yourself out there. 
So that's a that's a very powerful thing to say. And you and 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 it has worked for you. You've got the twenty five thousand. You're going to have a, a you're going to have a mezzanine. Your store is going to transform. It's, yeah, it's going to transform. It's going to be a far better store, a bigger store, and and I mean, there's some personal implications that were here as well, right? I was I wasn't talking about you know leaving the leaving the game trade because I needed the money. I was talking about it because I needed the challenge. Yeah. Uh, so this kind of offers me more challenges for 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 the, the coming years, which which is a great thing for me. It's it's a, a big thing. <laughs> what would you do dis- different now? Because oh, one question I wanted to ask you was. What about pushing this out a further or another week or two? Uh, you know, we talked about it in the – And hey, clarification for those listeners. You can't do that, by the way. You can't oh, – you can do it in process. But you, you, can, could, but you right. could have structured it longer in the beginning. Right. Uh, you could have, and that's what I'm – I'm not asking – because listeners are like, you can't do that on Kickstarter. Uh, mm-hmm. Some projects you can. Indiegogo and other platforms, you can keep the campaign extended. You keep extending it. Right. But Kickstarter, no. You set that date. That date is set in gold uh, stone. But if I was to come back and say, if you were to do this over and it had added two weeks to this, what changes might you have seen? Anything different? Uh, well, I don't think that I don't think the duration would have mattered. I mean, we talked about it, and the consensus was that it just extends your lull period. It just extends that painful period. What I there's there's structure. There's definitely things I would have done differently with the the structure of the project, but the duration I don't think. I don't know that it would have mattered that much. Here's why I'm asking the question. Mm-hmm. Because your friend galvanized you into action, if you had two more weeks, that would have given time for your efforts to finally have kicked in. But if you were to take those two weeks away and have galvanized you to action from the very beginning, right, then you wouldn't have needed it. It's almost like your campaign started when you started making those phone calls. Pretty much, pretty much. But you know, one of the problems with the whole campaign is that it's—I'll be honest—it's—it's it's not is not as good a value as it could have been. Right. Um, so there's a lot of charity involved in our campaign, unlike uh, a product that's properly priced. Like our product is not properly priced. If you if you if you're supporting us, our Kickstarter, because you wanted a thing, you are overpaying for that thing to help us. And and that was by design, but it's not it's not how I would it's not how I'd do it again. <laughs> right, so, and this is a, this is a big dialogue I have that with many of my guests. That is Kickstarter. Are the people getting what they paid for? And and for a retail product price comparison person, it'd be like no. But that's not why they're given the money. And oftentimes, when we get so caught up in some of these Kickstarter campaigns that are nothing more than purchasing a product. We forget that a lot of these other Kickstarter campaigns are more about an emotional contribution than the actual dollar amount, right? Right, right. Now, the, now the upside to our to the structure of our campaign is that there is very little cost involved, right? Because we want to build this thing. We can't we can't sell things and make a fifty percent margin and build it. We have to basically get ninety percent margin. On the project, in order to have that money to do the construction, otherwise right. we need fifty thousand dollars, which is never going to happen. Right. Um, so, so it did work, uh, but it was a very, you know, it was very painful. And like I said, as as the last few days are are in this thing, uh, it's a slippery slope. I mean, it's like a muddy mountain you're running up, and you just keep sliding back down because people are reducing pledges and backing out, probably at a higher level than a project with better value. Sure. 
Well, you, you did it. It's, uh, it's about yeah. to wrap up, and I certainly appreciate you letting us be part of the journey. Gary. Yeah, thank you. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Gary Ray. He raised $25,000 to expand his game store. Uh, it was a little bit of an emotional journey. You heard him at the very beginning of the campaign, and things turned out with a happy ending, but the ride was uh, quite painful all along the way. <laughs> so hopefully you've heard something inspiring. I know you have because, as he said, the implications of this are huge. Thanks for listening. Take care. Thanks. Thanks.